We are so glad that you're here today. And how many of you are having a good week so far? How many of you are having a good weekend? All right, yeah, good, good. A little warm, but I'll, I'll take it, right? And, uh, you know, talk about good. Yesterday, I, um, um, you know, I had done a funeral yesterday morning and, and here. And, uh, and, and, and my hearing aids, one of my hearing aids over here started having, making some static sound inside my ear. That wasn't good, you know? And I thought, man, these, these hearing aids are old, seven years old. And, and the lifespan is five to six years, so I'm really on that E, you know? You know how far you like to go with your car past the E? That's what I'm doing right now with these hearing aids. And, and I thought, oh no, these hearing aids are about to, to die on me. And, I, and so I'm, I was having a hard time hearing yesterday, and I, I get home and I thought, you know, I'm gonna take the one hearing aid that I have, which is my good ear. Believe it or not, I have a good ear and a bad ear. This is my good ear, okay? And, um, and so I take my hearing aids out, and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? So I'm, I'm going to, for the rest of the day, I'm going to put it in a bag of dry rice. Put it in rice. And, um, and, and what that does is rice is a, it's a dehumidifier. It's a, it's, it, and I'll, I'll put that hearing aid in that rice. I just want to make sure we don't use that rice for dinner or anything, okay? <laughs> That hearing aid's been in that rice, and I let it sit all day. Uh, and, then, and then my day yesterday was quiet. <laughs> it was a great day for me. <laughs> Bad day for Karen, great day for me. You know, and so that, that's how my week's going. But listen, I, I took it out last night, put it in, and I guess what? The rice fits my hearing aid. That's a good thing, right? And so it's, a, it's a crazy what a bowl of rice can do for you. And, uh, but it's been a good week, and um, so good to have you here with us. Um, continuing in our series on Made for Mondays. Uh, what I want to do today is talk about this idea of work as worship. And I, I, I want to stay up front. I'm, I was inspired by this title by a Bible study that I was a part of a few years ago. And you can find this Bible study, Work as Worship, on our Right Now Media. If you have access to Right Now Media, if you don't, you should. It's free for you. And uh, I'll, if you're like, man, what's Right Now Media? It's like the Netflix for Bible studies. There's uh, thousands of Bible studies on there for every kind of topic, and um, check it out. Got stuff for kids, stuff for uh, young adults, and if you're like, I don't have that, but I want it, uh, just make sure on the back of your connection card in the, in the, in the comment, just say, hook me up, uh, and we'll hook you up. And so we just need your email address, and, uh, and we'll hook you up uh, with Right Now Media. And I was inspired by this Bible study, Work as Worship, and and, and, and so I, I, I want to kind of talk about that because when it comes to worship, oftentimes we think that is something that happens inside of a church. That's what we just did. We sang some worship song. We, had, we went to church. We were in the worship room. Some church called it the worship center, you know, because that's, where, that's worship. Now, worship is designated uh, at a certain time of the week, and you show up for worship. And, 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 or, or 
what we think worship is, is something that you're really busy in the church. So I'm worshiping at the food pantry. I'm serving the Lord. Now, I, 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 I serve the Lord in the, in the nursery. Serving the Lord making the coffee and giving out water and a handing out program. And you think that if you're busy, that it, that's what worship is. But when it comes to worship at our work environment, it, it, for a lot of us, what's it not true what that means? Because in our mind, and in a lot of, in a lot of the ways that we think and work, we, we think that work is a necessary evil. It's just something we got to do so that we can pay the bills and put food on the table. And, and there's an ant against work sometimes. In fact, we, can, we see it in, in some of the bumper stickers driving around town. I got some bumper stickers up here. Here's one. I had a life, but my job ate it. Here's another idea. I work hard so my dog can have a better life. <laughs> That's right. This idea is to err is human. To blame it on someone else shows management, management potential. Right there. So if you get, see the fault in everybody else, you've got a management job ahead of you. And then I owe, I owe is off to work I go. And we, we, we just have this mindset that work is just got to go to work. And when it comes to worship at work, it doesn't connect. We, 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 we don't come together with, with that. Maybe, maybe we'll try to sneak in Jesus at work. You know, we might at best try to sneak him in in our conversations. And I'm not saying that's bad, but sometimes we, we, we're just, you know, we're just not sure. But sometimes it can get a little weird. That's, I, I know some Christian, you know, maybe a Christian businessman have an idea for a coffee shop. and say, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to sneak in Jesus with my title. And I'm going to call it Hebrews. Hebrews. You know, or holy grounds. You know, and I'm going to try to sneak in Jesus. I'm going to try to get clever and market Jesus in my coffee shop. Or, or I had this, uh, heard this one idea of a guy who said, I'm going to have a coffee shop. I'm going to call it Jehovah Java. <laughs> uh, so what is that? The Lord supplies your coffee? I said, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, okay. It's just, a, it's just a little, oh, okay. You know, and, and for some people to think, oh, that's how I'm going to worship God. I'm going I'm to market Jesus. I'm going to be clever. You know, or, or if you're a sales person, you know, and, and you're making a sales call. And say, so, oh, yeah, sneak in Jesus on my, on, my, on my sales call. You say something, hey, you know, now that I've talked to you about life insurance, have you thought about insurance after death? And then, hey, let me talk about what that means. You know, and, and, and kind of, oh, what's happening here? Or, or, or maybe you, you, someone says, hey, I've got your name on our mailing list. Well, let me ask you a question. Is your name written down on the Lamb Book of Life? You know, and you have these sales pits, and it can get a little, uh, I don't know, just a little 
just trying to think in Jesus where it may not be appropriate. But for some of us, that's the scope of, hey, I worship. That's what I do. I, I'll sneak in Jesus. I'll, I'll Jesus' name drop here and there. And I'll be clever. I'll market it. And, and it sometimes just comes off a little awkward. And, 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 and so what we want to talk about today, though, beyond that, how we can really worship at our work. And no matter what you do, no matter how, how hard it might be, you know, you might be a factory worker, and it gets hot in the summertime, you know, especially if there's no air, you know, they got the fan, they get, they're, they're blowing the, the air around, but it's hot. Or maybe you're working outside, or maybe, maybe you're a, a, a delivery man or a delivery woman, or you're a bus driver. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. You've got kids that you're, that you're trying to parent. It, no matter who you are, I want us to see today that we can worship at work. We see it in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. We've already kind of talked about some of this. Just to review a few things. But Genesis chapter 2, the very first mention or Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the very first mention of work in the Bible. In fact, the Hebrew word that God used for work is the word avad. It looked like abad, but in Hebrew, to be pronounced as a v, avad. And, and it shares the same root word as the word worship. In fact, we see this word translated 52 times in the Old Testament as the word Worship. What tells us that work and worship is connected in so many different ways. Adam was to worship God in the garden, not just by reading the Bible and praying and staying away from a few bad apples, but he was to worship God by doing the things in the garden that God had placed him there to do. You know, it's interesting to me that of all the parables that Jesus told, the majority of them, majority of those parables take place in the workplace. Of the miracles that the apostles did in the book of Acts, 39 out of 40 miracles take place outside of the church. And what that tells us is that the God, is that God is, is a concern but displaying his power outside of a church as he is within the church. Now, Abraham Kuyper, he's a theologian, he said this, there's not one square inch of the entire cosmos over which Jesus has not emphatically declared mine. Every square inch, including the place that you work. So I want to suggest to us here how to make this connection of worship and how we can worship in the workplace, how we can serve and worship God on Mondays, on Tuesdays, all throughout the week. Here's the first thought if you're taking notes. When we work, when work as worship, it fulfills God's purposes in Creation. 
It fulfilled God's purposes in creation. Now we see again, in the very first few chapters of Genesis, we see three things. That God designed work, that God demonstrated work, and then God demands us to work. He designed it, he demonstrated, he demands it. You know that we see the command to work in the Ten Commandments. In fact, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, the fourth commandment, verse number 8, it says, remember the Sabbath, the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then verse 9, six days you shall work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. We see, you know, in the, in the New Testament, you know, the command, the obligation to work. You know, we don't have time to look at it today, but in 2 Thessalonians, the church, of Thessalonica, the, the church at Thessalonica, Paul was uh, writing a letter. We actually see it in, in both letters. He kind of talk about it in the first letter, he talk about it in the second letter. And, 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 and they were lazy people in that church. People that could work. People that could work, but refused not to work in fact, they were mooching off the generosity of other people who were working. They said, hey, the Christians, they're supposed to love each other, we're supposed to give, and you know what? I don't feel like working, and so I'm going to kind of mooch off their generosity. And, and Paul in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, he was tough. I mean, just read this. You know, you read into those letters, and, and you can see what he says here. He said, if, if anyone does not work, he shall not eat. Now, he's not talking about the person that's not able to work. Not the person that might be physically unable to, or they're older. He wasn't talking about them. He was talking about the people that could work. And he said, hey, we need to knock it off. And in fact, it, it, and, and, and you see this again in 2 Thessalonians, when it got real, it got real tough. In fact, I would call it harsh. But he, he said this, he said, if someone in your church if someone there that's not working, but they should be working, they could work, but they're not working, Paul said, you need to kick them out of the church. Church discipline. Kick them out of the church so that they can see the errors of their ways and then get to work. And then when they get to work, bring them back in. It was for restoration. And uh, 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 so we see this. And uh, by the way, this was before work was created before the fall. We talked about that already. It was, it, this is not the curse. Uh, so work was not a punishment that God gave to man after his sin. The original plan for man, hey, it was not to sit around in the garden, eat candy all day, and get angel massages for your feet. That, that was not the plan. The original design for, and, and the plan in the creation was for God, for us to work. You know, the word that God used for work, it means to prepare, to develop, to, 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 to cultivate. The word create, prepare, develop. And we need to understand this, that God made Adam a gardener. A gardener, by the way, 
is not a park ranger. A park ranger, what does he do? He guards the park. You know, I've been seeing some crazy stuff happening in Yellowstone National Park. People trying to pet the fluffy cows. They're called bison. Some people call it buffalo. The dumbest thing you can do is to pet a fluffy cow. Because if you do, and there have been videos of this year already of people think they, it's a petting zoo over there. Uh, in the National Park Guard, the park rangers, they're there to tell people, you need to be about 25 yards from these things. Stop touching the fluffy cows. Uh, but Adam was not called, God did not place us to be park rangers. He, he called us to be a gardener, and a gardener, listen, it's different than a person that guards the garden. A gardener is somebody who develops the garden. It's a big difference. God put Adam in the garden to develop, to develop it. He was to take the raw materials of the, of the, of the earth, the dirt, the plant, the seed, and he was to develop them for the glory of God and for the benefit of other humans that God would create. Remember, God, God made man in his image. And then the first thing we learn about God in Genesis 1 and 2 is that God is a creator. Twelve times in Genesis 1 and 2 it says that God created. And so when God made man in his image, he made us to be co-creator with him. In fact, you remember what God said over and over and over again at the end of each, at the end of the each day of creation. But what did he say? He saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. Now, good is good, but good is not perfect. Not perfect. Perfect, here's what perfect means if you take a note. It cannot be improved upon. That's what perfect means. Good means what's well, good, but the work is not totally finished. There's still more work to be done. Here's a good way to help you understand this. I see my wife here at church. She's perfect. Her hair, her hair's perfect, her outfit's perfect, her makeup is perfect, she's beautiful. She cannot be improved upon. However, <laughs> when she wakes up in the morning, she's good. She got work to do, though. <laughs> y'all, y'all sit, no, I'm saying, hey, listen, we've got work to do. You take the raw materials. I'm okay, right? All right, good. All right. <laughs> got to figure out if I need to have another broken hearing aid situation today. <laughs> you, you, you take the raw materials and you develop them a little bit, and then you get the perfect product. You see, we're not park rangers. 
We were not park rangers that were given a perfect creation that we're just to manage. We are gardeners and we are to develop our world for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. So Adam, so God put Adam and Eve in the garden to be developers. I want you to think about this. Contractors. You take the raw materials of sand and cement and use that to build buildings. You, you, if you're an artist, you take the raw materials of color and, and music and you arrange them into art. Lawyers, they take principles of, of justice and they codify them into laws that benefit society. Assembly line workers, they take the raw materials of car parts and they put them together to build a car. These are the ways that man and woman are the gardeners of the creation that God gave. And, and listen, this is the key to the whole thing. When we do this, when we are co-creator with God, in a way, God is himself at work creating through us. We are his image bearers. And that the reformer Martin Luther, he, he, he took a verse in Psalm 147, and then he expounded on it in just a second. But here's the verse, Psalm 147, verse 13 and 14. God, God strengthens the bars of your gate and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. And then this is what Martin Luther said about this. So good. He said, how exactly does God do that? How does he strengthen the bars of the city? Well, he does that by city planners and by architects. He does it by politicians who pass good laws to protect the city. How does he bless our children within our midst? Within our midst. He does that by teachers and, and pediatricians. How does he make peace in our borders? He does that by means of good lawyers and policemen. How does he fill us with the finest of wheat? He does that by farmers and factory workers and restaurant owners. I want you to take your phone out and take a picture of this next screen. Here we go. Martin Luther concludes this statement. Our profession are like the mask that God wears in caring for the world. Let's hold that up for just a second. Our professions are like the mask that God wears in serving and caring the world. You see, there's some of you who feel this almost a divine satisfaction, if you will, uh, from when you're at work. You have this divine satisfaction. Or maybe you're not even a Christian here this morning. And, 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 and you're just not even sure what to call it. But you know that there is something when you're working where, you're, where you feel like you're doing what you are born to do. In fact, the word vocation, if you're taking note, the word vocation comes from the Latin word voca. It literally means to call. To call. We get the word vocal from this word. And so your vocation, the reason they chose that word for jobs, for work, is because it's like a calling that God put into you, whether you're a Christian or not, because it's the mask, right? It's the mask that God chooses to wear 
when he wants to care for the world. In fact, there's an Old Testament figure in Exodus chapter 31. It's kind of famous. It's kind of an important person, not famous. You know, you've probably seen the name. Maybe you don't remember the name. You know, but his name is Bezalel. Bezalel. And here's what's fascinating about Bezalel. It's that he is the only person in the Old Testament who is filled with the Spirit of God. The only person in the Old Testament I find he's filled with the Spirit of God. Look at Exodus chapter 31, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, I have chosen, I have called Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. And, and what's interesting to me is that he, he was filled with the Spirit of God, and it doesn't say that he spoke in tongues and, and wrote great sermons and, and wrote great music. No, he was filled with the Spirit of God to be an expert craftsman. Look at verse number four. It says, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and to set stone, to work in woods, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. The expression of being filled with the Spirit, with the quality in which he did his work. Uh, it reminds me of the movie, and uh, I was shocked how many people in the first service did not see the movie. Have you ever seen the movie? Chariots of Fire. How many of you have seen that movie, Chariots of Fire. Okay, you know the older crowd in this crowd knows what I'm talking about, okay? It's a great movie. If you've not seen it, come on, all right? Gotta watch it, all right? Great movie. It's about a goddess Olympian. Name was Eric Little. And Eric Little was called to be a missionary. The other thing about Eric Little is that he was super, super fast. The, the, the goddess Olympian running team approached him and said, we want you to run for us. And so he decided, you know, after much prayer and, and seeking God, that he was going to run on the Olympic team. And his sister, who was also a committed missionary, approached him and said, what, you know, Eric, what are you doing? You know, why are you wasting your time with this Olympic stuff? You know, you're called to be a missionary. You're called to, you know, to get over to China and serve God in China. Why are you wasting time with running? And if you've seen the movie, you remember what Eric Little looks back at her and said, yes. He said, I understand that God has called me to be a missionary to China. But God has also made me fast. And he made me fast for a purpose. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Now, there are some of you in business, at work, you can resonate with that feeling. You're like, you know, I'm not really sure how to describe it, Scott, but there's a certain divine pleasure I feel when I'm doing the work that God has placed me in. It feels like even the Spirit of God is at work in me as I work. And this is what I hope that you take away from this point. If you're taking notes, work is not just secular, but it's also sacred. I don't care what your job is, 
I don't care what you think. You say, God, you don't understand my job. Listen, I know it might be secular, but also sacred. Now, listen, I know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Don't underestimate the curse. No job is perfect because of the curse. For some of you, you're just trying to survive work. For some of you, your work is partially fulfilling. But it's also toilsome and, and draining, tired. I, I would say that's probably true for most of us. I know that some of you hate your job completely. And, and, and you're just like, I'm ready to call, call, you know, walk into my boss tomorrow and just tell him I'm ready to quit. And, that, and that's all part of the sad reality of the curse. And you may have to work for a while in those kind of conditions. In fact, maybe your entire life. But here's what I want you to understand. No matter where you're at, wherever you are, a calling is not something that just applies to those who are in ministry. Your work is a sacred calling, a vocation where God has placed you a gardener, where he has created you to be where you're at. He made you good at what he did because you are the mask that he wears to serve the world. God himself is at work creating through you. I heard the second thought about work, work is worship. I know you're looking at the clock. It says, God, we got five minutes. I will get done. It's seven minutes. Plus or minus one. Okay. All right. Work is for us to pursue. We pursue. It pursues the highest standards of excellence. You want to worship God at work? Pursue excellence. Pursue excellence. You now Paul said it to, you know, in a letter to the Colossians. He says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 22. Slaves. Obey your earthly masters and everything, and, and do it not only when their eyes is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work, it, work at it with all your heart. That's working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Paul said, listen, you have a higher boss than your employer. You work for a greater reward than, a, than recognition or salary. Everything you do is an act of worship to him. Everything you do is to put on display to show God that he is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. He says, God, you just don't get it. My boss, my boss is terrible. He or she, you know, he never rewards me properly. I don't ever get the proper recognition. I don't ever get the bonus. It's like I'm working and they always take the credit for what I do. Listen, I know. It can be hard. I know it can be frustrating and discouraging. But here's what you've got to understand. You're not really doing it for him or her. They're doing it for the Lord. You know, the Colossian people, you know, that Paul's writing this letter to, you know, many of them are in worst possible job situation than you are. 
Go back to verse number 22. Paul said, slaves, obey your earthly masters. Now stop there. That's a bad job situation. Won't you agree? I mean, that's terrible. I mean, some of you are like, man, my, my boss, you know, he totally owns me. But for the Colossian, that was literal. They were owned. Their bosses actually owned them. But even in those terrible, not rewarding circumstances, Paul said that they do their work unto God as a statement of his worthiness. Number three, work as worship. How do we worship God in the workplace? Reflect the highest standards of ethics. The idea of integrity. You know, we live in a workplace where there is a lack of integrity everywhere, from the top all the way down to the bottom. Lack of integrity. But work that worship God will conform to the highest standards of ethics because that work seeks to demonstrate and to reflect the integrity of the God that we work for. To worship God in your work means having standards that's higher than the world. It means going beyond, above and beyond the world's standards. Don't just meet the standards of your company. Go above it. Go higher because you're not working for your company. Remember who you work for. You're working for God. I love Psalm 15 verses 1 to 5. Kind of like a code of ethics. Uh, he, he says, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill? He said, hey, we're good at worship on Sundays. But what about the rest of the week? He said, don't just live and worship God on Sunday. Worship God on the rest of the week. He said, those, hit the codes about this. He said, those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord to keep their promises even when it hurts, those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people, hey, when we live like this, he says, such people will stand firm forever. You'll be a solid person. You want to worship God, don't just worship God on Sunday, but live it out in the code of ethics that reflects the integrity of who God is. Because that's who we're ultimately working for. And then here's the last thought. Work as worship. Make blessing others its bottom line. Not making dollars the bottom line. That's the world, that's the, their philosophy. Make money, you know, at all costs. I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't make money. We need, to, we need a paycheck. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is about people. To follow Jesus means that you think about your life the way Jesus thought about his. That's how you follow Jesus. You think about your life the way that Jesus thought about his. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he had position of power, though he was influential, Right? Though he was rich, yet for your sake and my sake, he became poor so that you, 
through his poverty might become rich. Another main application of this verse, and I've used it many times, that Christ gave his life so that we can be blessed with the, with the eternal riches of his salvation through him. But another takeaway I want to talk about from this verse is that God has made you rich in various ways. You may be rich in money. You may be rich in talent. You may be rich in position. But he said that, that we are to take those things however you are, however you are rich, and we're going to leverage them to bless others and serve others the way that Jesus has modeled that for you and for me. My friend, we were made for Mondays. We were made by God. We were made for God to serve him to honor and glorify him and with the works of our hands. That's the way that we should worship. God finds pleasure in us when we serve him, when we work, wherever that might be, whether you're mopping the floor, you're crunching the numbers, or you're working with kids, you're a teacher, whatever you're doing, you are made by God for God to serve him and to serve others so that he may be glorified and that others will get to know him by the way that you work. And I pray that this week we don't just worship on Sunday, but that you worship on Monday. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we're thankful for your word. God, oh, help us. God, help us not to disconnect our worship that we do on Sunday from what we're supposed to do on Mondays. I pray that we worship you. I pray that we see ourselves as a co-creator. We were made in your image. And whatever that is, God, you know, whatever you place us in, that we will pursue that calling. And it may not always be easy. But we will pursue it to the best of our ability. God, maybe there's some of us, we've lost that purpose. God, maybe there's some of us here that, that when we go to work, we're not, we're not serving for the Lord. We're, we're serving for our own personal agenda and not for the Lord, for your work and for your agenda and for what you want us to do. And so, God, I pray that we work, as we work unto you that we serve a higher boss than our own employer. And so, God, I pray maybe there's some of us, we need to shift the way we think and worship God in that way. God, we pursue excellence. That, God, we will pursue ethics. Maybe there's some areas in our, in our jobs that we haven't been totally honest about. And I pray this week we make it right we stop doing the wrong things. We stop budging the numbers. We stop stealing time. And we stop working as unto you. But God, I pray that we make people the bottom line. There's a dog-eat-dog world out there, God. Backstabbing, betraying the other people, always looking for themselves. God, I pray that we don't fall in that mindset. But we fall in that mindset so it's all about others. We work to honor you and to serve others. And so, God, we ask you to help us this week to worship 
to worship, whatever that looks like, to worship you in our purpose, with excellence, in our ethics, and for others. In Jesus' name, amen.